Peter, welcome to OFM, uh, where Metabolic Health Matters uh, podcast. And I've been meaning to have this conversation for a long time, but we're probably going to have a couple of conversations. Um, uh, welcome to the podcast, and let's, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Peter Mortimer. I'm a Flagstaff-based ultra runner, um, 42 years old. Um, I wouldn't consider myself a professional ultra runner <laughs> because I have a full-time job, uh, but I do like to compete. So, but you do compete at a, at a at a high level. I do, I, or I try to. <laughs> no, you you do, you do, you do. Um, and you have a pretty full and hectic time job. I mean, it gives you flexibility, but it also has other other consequences in that so tell us what you do in your in your day job um i work for a medical device company in orthopedics so i bring in uh if you have your hip knee or shoulder replaced uh, i come in to the operating room with the surgeon and i'm probably good chance i'm in there on that procedure and uh yeah so i've i've been doing this for the last 20 years um, there's lots of different sides to to my job but uh, ultimately i'm on the the surgeon's schedule so it's, I haven't had a, a regular nine to five schedule in over 20 years. <laughs> so I take yeah. my time when I can get it, you know, I run when I can get it and, uh, you know, and sometimes I got to make sacrifices, you know, missing out on stuff. Okay. And then, you know, apart from that, you have a full-time partner, a couple of basset hounds, a couple of kids that are kind of growing up. Yep. Yeah. So doing the dad thing and then, uh, and then the coaching thing. I have a lot of spinning plates. I guess yeah, you, could say. you certainly do. You have a great partner, though. So yeah, she's, she's amazing. She's, she's, <laughs> she's completely behind and supportive of you, which is which is a wonderful thing. So we want to give a shout out to Cisco Vasquez because she she won't give a shout out to herself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's she's yeah. my uh, my backbone. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's today's conversation. I want to. You've got a race coming up here in a, in a couple of weeks, right? You got the Mogollon Monster. Yep. Yeah, it's a hundred mile race out in uh, Pine, Arizona. Um, it's a hard rock qualifier, very technical, up and down the Mogollon Rim, and uh, yeah, just looking to just take my fitness from this year and just throw into another hundred miler. Right on, right on. And how many weeks are you out from your last race? Uh, the, my last big one, the spine was in June. So okay, you know. so you've had a little bit of a break. I mean, <laughs> I'm always a, bra a, bra a break from a, a break from racing, but you've been doing big stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've been staying busy. Yeah, yeah, no, no, cool. Um, and that's when in September, middle of September, end of September. Uh, September ninth. So. September ninth. So it's coming up quick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the reason I, I was asking about that is I want to. What I want to do is today I want our conversation to focus on, you know, metabolic health, you know, where you are. We'll talk a little about the data we've got about you and all that. And then, but I really want to talk about your spine race, the race, how it went. And tangentially to that, I'd like to cover uh, the effects of sleep deprivation because you ran that in a seriously jet lagged condition, correct? Uh, would a uh, 10 out of 10 would not recommend <laughs> yeah this is like don't do this at home uh, because 
just because Peter did it and, and got away with it. He literally got away with it. Uh, it was awful. <laughs> but this is this is a good point to discuss the importance of circadian, maintaining a circadian rhythm, getting sleep, getting the recovery. Um, there's times when that's not possible like this, but you want to kind of minimize that because it, it does have serious health consequences, both short and long term. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, P Peter, um, how long have you been an OFM athlete, Vespa user, OFM athlete? When did we, it's, it just seems like yesterday I was at your house in Flagstaff, but I know it's been probably five years or something. 2017. 2017. Yeah. yeah. So that was, uh, the summer of 2017 because i did zane gray earlier that year and nick curry passed me at the 50k mark and he just looked incredible and i'm like what is this guy doing that i'm not <laughs> and he he threw me your name and uh then i went to one of your talks and after that i think it was i just i did touches 100k leading up to bigfoot 200 but that was kind of my my first race on vespa ofm um, which was my second 200 mile race. Yeah. Um, and I finished that one 24 hours faster, uh, than Tahoe on a harder course. And I just never felt so great running. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. 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 And before that, just a brief overview of, of what got you running. Cause you were, you were typical of most people, just a working slave and gaining weight and all that. Right. Yeah, I had a horrible diet. Again, slave to the to the system. I was so it, it was hard to kind of get in a rhythm. I was raising two young kids. I was working, you know, 60, 80 hours a week. Um, so just not. And then I ended up going through a divorce. So I just had all these kind of compounding stress, you know, stress eating, all this bad stuff. And um, I was overweight anyway. So I needed to lose some weight. And that's kind of why I, I fell into running. Um, just which you know it's not not how you lose weight but it was a good way of getting my butt out of the door and, and it's, get a some tool, it's a tool to lose weight yeah yeah so i, I you know I, I just after that it was i just kind of fell up fell in love with it once i found trail running and um but yeah i was a middle of the pack runner i wouldn't say fast by any means yeah yeah and uh, but you had the typical ups and downs with energy um, did you start to have GI issues at that point or? Yeah. Oh yeah. Once I got into the hundred K plus, I, I, I would start, start dealing with stomach issues. And I, at, at that time too, I was still like, I had no idea what I was doing nutritionally. You know, I could scrape by on like 50 milers and everything. But once I started getting to the hundred K hundred, hundred mile distance, it was definitely become more of a challenge finding the right, eating the right things. And, and I just knew I had to, I had to change something and I kind of heard rumblings about running fat adapted and I'm like, well, what's the, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. 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 And you were, so in other words, you were eating probably the typical high carb diet. Uh, yeah. A lot of processed food. Yeah. That, you know, my, I always used to laugh and say, you know, like bread is like, it's been around since the beginning of time, you know, and <laughs> like, what, how is bread bad? But, then you start thinking about the way bread's made nowadays and the way it's made in this country versus other countries. It's not the same, you know? Well, and how much bread bread or processed carbs we eat compared to how little we really do 
on yeah. a chronic basis. I mean, there's there's just a, a whole compounding of of things on top that uh, provide a huge metabolic load that your body has to deal with because it's essentially a lot of sugar, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, changing changing my diet and going down this path really opened my eyes to kind of what we're what we're eating and how I feel and. And, uh, well, I, you know, and I know you're lo you're loving life because I mean you got the whole peach meats going and you're, you're <laughs> grilling and eating yeah. that. And I remember when we you know you'd gotten into it after talking with me and and you're just totally loving life. So it's it's really enjoyable, right? Absolutely. Um, I you know I feel better all the time. You know I, I'll have cheat days, you know, and eat stuff every now and again, but I suffer for it. Um, and you know it's interesting the way I do it versus the way like Jeff Browning does it or, you know, McKnight or all those guys, there's like, if you look along the spectrum, we're all just kind of, we're all along like trying to get the same effects, but we all are on different ends of the meter a little bit. Like we all like Jeff's definitely more protein based like I am, but he's definitely throwing down more fruits, you know, than I do. Um, whereas then there's other guys on the scale that are just like, you know, go more on the fat side, you know, than the protein side. And um, so it's, it is really interesting to see kind of how that works. And I, I think that's just everyday eating. I just try and eat whole foods, you know, meat yeah. and vegetables. I found with my journey, like now I can pretty well eat whatever I want. I mean, like mm -hmm. you say, you pay for it if you're eating crap, but but I, I don't have the, you know, I've gotten myself so adapted and really worked on the third tier of the OFM pyramid, which is stomach and gut health, and getting mm -hmm. getting the the stomach lining really robust, and really focusing on developing a robust and diverse biome that has huge implication um, for tolerance to different foods, including crap. Uh, it doesn't mean you can eat it all the time, but once in a while, no big deal, you know. Yeah. Um, and also just keeping the inflammation down, disease prevention, all that stuff. Well, anytime you cut anything out for a long period of time and revisit it, you're, you'll realize quickly like, oh man, this is, this makes me feel like crap. And, but in the moment when you're just on that diet, that's how you feel every day. You just feel. Yeah. Like, and your body adapts to it. It does, you know, and you just, you get tired of being tired, you know, but. So you have to, I think it's it's great to cut that stuff out every once in a while and, and kind of see what your, you know, what your body actually likes and what it doesn't. Yeah, and I find that, that you know, with the whole animal eating where I, I do eat a lot of collagen-rich foods, I, I'm definitely either supplement or eating liver or heart um, in addition to muscle meat. I don't, I mean, it's it's almost scary how little I need to eat. I mean, I yeah. like, I like, I'm like you cook me up a good ribeye or a New York or a sirloin. And just, I mean, I like, if somebody puts 20 ounces, 24 ounces of steak in front of me, I'm going to eat it. Um, yeah. But do I do that every day? Do I think it's good? Nah, no. Yeah. Um, it's way more than I need. I can, I can do just fine on 10 or 12 ounces and that'll fill me up. And I probably could do fine on six or eight, you know, in terms of what I actually needed, six or eight is probably good. Sure. 12 to 14 is what will satiate me. Um, but it, like I said, if you put 24 ounces in front of me, a big old porterhouse in front of me, I'm, I'm, I'm wolfing it down. Same. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. 
it, 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 it kind of, it, so I have a bias, but, but knowing yeah. I have a bias, you know, I can step back from that and say, yeah, you know, if you're doing this right, you, you really don't need too much. And yeah. you feel the same way, right? You feel better eating less when you're running. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't compare to probably a lot of the athletes. I don't eat a lot. I, I, I'm learning to to put more more in as my efforts get harder and pushing harder, yeah. especially with like strategic carving. But um, yeah, I just, it's I have to remind myself and force myself like, hey, get some calories down, you know. And like, you're, you, I know you feel great right now. Just just keep the the tank tops off. Yeah, but that tank isn't very big. It's like like you notice you like we're both pretty good sized guys compared to most people, right? You're six three, right. I'm six two. Yep. Right. Yep. And I just like, I'll eat something and I'm just like, oh man, I feel full and bloated and that's it. Just yeah. In the yeah. story. Yeah. You know, not so, much. So, okay. So you've been doing this since 2017 and been, been really successful, right? Even though it's, it's a side gig and you, like you say, you got lost, you've been pretty successful, won some races, uh, been able to do a lot of epic stuff. But this this summer, and, and you have a very interesting way to approach things. You tend to not run a race twice, right? Yeah, in a, some local stuff, I might throw down uh, again on occasion, but just you know, for the most part, like the big stuff, I just I'm one and done. It's however I do that day. It's, it's however I do, and so I yeah, just the, try to get the destination races. Yeah, 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 yeah. What are you gonna do when you get into Hard Rock? <laughs> i'll do it i'll do it and then i'll go on to the next thing okay <laughs> just That's like really cool. yeah because uh, most people who once they're in hard rock they're like captured yeah i mean i run out there you know whenever i can so it's just again it's getting the atmosphere i do it one time and let someone else have a chance yeah 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 i agree with you um so okay so this year your your big race was this spine race in england would you tell us a little bit about it yeah it's a, it's a 268 mile uh race along the pennine way uh, which is like this big historic national trail that runs kind of from uh, the yorkshire dales all the way to the border of scotland um the race itself has five checkpoints or aid stations uh, so that's it so you're running like the first aid station is like 42 miles the next one 64 miles later so it's very much self-supported between uh the checkpoints they feed you and stuff at the checkpoints but no markers so you're just you're basically like you're running across, yeah yeah i'm going across open face mountains um i mean you'll see signs for the pennine way but then you'll go you'll be miles for like you know just going through mountains and sometimes you'll see what's like well it looks like a path and then it turns out it's a sheep's path and then you realize crap i need to be all the way up there so you really have to kind of you know have your wits about you staying on top of it so compared to other 200s i've done where you just kind of look for the next high you know like hanging from the tree you really have to be on it all the time which makes it even more difficult so it's, it's, it's there's tired. a lot of orienteering and 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 it sounds like because of the landscape it's spatial orienteering because it's big open vast areas correct yeah yeah so that and and, and again the, the terrain is not you know cut out single track you're you're going across like crazy pedestals cliff edges 
just like just mountains with like mounds of peat where you just can roll your ankle in any moment. So you really have to watch your footing, wow. marshes, bogs, uh, all that stuff. So, so, so it, it, it has a whole variety of terms from marshes and bogs to these these literal spines where you're way up on a mountain on a, on a ridge line that's less than two feet wide. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's got it all. Um, there's even a section, I think, where it must have been several miles, but it's down at a river bottom, basically up on the edge of a, like at a base of a cliff. And so you have this giant river and you have this, like you're rock hopping for miles, essentially along this bottom until you get to, I think it's called Cauldron Snout, which is this insane waterfall. You come around this corner and just majestic. That was like right, right before I started hallucinating. <laughs> I was going to ask you, did that really happen with that part of the hallucination? Yeah, that was, I think that was real. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. 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 So it's 268 kilometers or miles? Miles. Yeah. Miles, who? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. what what's the time limit for that race? Uh, you know, I I can't remember. It's I, I want to say it's like six days or something like that. Okay, so, so they're pretty generous. Yeah. Um, there's there's cutoffs and sweeps like everything else. Uh, but and then they've got like people that run. There's like the the north spine or just the south spine, and they've got like sprint versions of that. So there's like different races. You may come across runners, but for the most part, you know, I was by myself for for hours and hours at a time. Like I go an entire day without really seeing anybody, uh, other than like the odd tourist, you know. But mm -hmm. as far as like runners go, so you're just you're out there by yourself in the elements. It's pretty remarkable. Wow! And, and how many entrants uh, this year? Uh, I want to say there's maybe 160. Don't quote me on that. So. Um, okay and how many finished you know roughly i'm not i don't know the answer to that yet. i'm not very good at statistics on this race apparently <laughs> okay yeah. no no it's all good i mean it's just conversational stuff to kind of give the audience a, a feel yeah. I mean, I'm it's, it, i mean it's labeled you know britain's toughest foot race for for a reason and i i did the summer version i mean there's an actual winter version oh, in january which is just even for my, for myself thinking about Doing the winter version is just—it's insane to me that people do it. Yeah, things can go bad, really, really bad. But I guess, I guess there's people that are hardy enough in the cold. I'm not one of them. Yeah. Well, and then navigating on top of that, and the long stretches between aid stations. I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, it's brutal. Yeah. Wow. So, um, this was your A race this year, so you finished second overall how how, how much further how, how many hours were you behind the first place finisher quite a ways <laughs> yeah. a lot a lot a lot of that had to do with how the, the beginning of the race started so it was just you know he went out of the gates really hot i i settled in and you know i think he had run the race before too which kind of helps you know i i had everything going against me from the from the get-go as far as like you know jet lag and you know the travel um this it was at the solstice so you're only getting five hours of of uh darkness you know per per tell, night tell, so tell, tell us about that when did you so the how many days from before the fine race did what was your lead up to that in terms of travel you live in arizona 
you're traveling to the UK, so there's eight, nine hour time difference there. Yeah, it's just probably you're looking at 16 hours travel, something like that. And then I think we landed at 6.30 in the afternoon, you know, their time. Didn't get to bed till one o'clock the next morning. Uh, the next day's registration and then seeing family and then kit uh, checks, all that stuff. And then the next day was the race. So wow. it, it wasn't until like that morning where I, I was at the start line that I just kind of had this wave of exhaustion come over me. And I was like, oh, man, this is going to this is going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, because because I, I find when I travel internationally, that first day arriving, your adrenaline so kicked in that you kind of can ride through it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. It's that second, third day that just the, the bottom falls out. Yeah, that's exactly how it was. And uh, yeah, I mean, the beginning of the race, you're kind of still like still got a little bit of adrenaline going. But, you know, as, as the day goes on and then the weather and, and everything else, it just becomes it became harder and harder. And for me, it was again, I hallucinated after that first night, which I've never I haven't hallucinated on any race ever. So it's for me, even just to go a day in, you know, for a guy that's used to doing multi-day stuff, it was I knew first I was like, I thought I was having a mental breakdown, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, okay, this is what people talk about. And this is where I'm at already that far in the well. And I really tried to, to do my strategic, you know, sleeping where I take, you know, 15, 20 minutes at a time, but it was never enough. It was just like, cause I was already just so far, so deep starting out. And, you know, later in the race, I started, I come into an aid station or I'd like go nap somewhere and people would say, oh, you know, I'm going to set a timer. And I would just say, no, I would just, it, it became like, I'm going to sleep until I wake up. And then when I wake up, then I'll just run because I was so tired that my, my brain couldn't connect to my, to my legs to, for moving properly. Like I was just, everything was inefficient. I wasn't in my usual groove and like stuff that I would easily run. I just like could not, get it together i was just trying to stay awake and i just got tired of fighting it were you sleepwalking oh yeah did some of that you know which i've done i've done sleep running in races like strategically on like fire roads and i mean i i did it again but on some areas but yeah it's just you know i i it, it got to the point where i was i was so far behind and the first place was running away with it i'm like Okay, I, I just need to like refocus on what I'm doing, you know, get me through yeah. this. And I again as a foreigner, so to speak, coming over to run to run there. I'm you know, I was at a disadvantage. I didn't know the trail. You know, I'm I'm navigating, you know, where people are, are used to navigating out there. It's just the fell runners are just much more attuned to the landscape. So I had a lot more going against me. Um and the sleep sleep didn't help. Yeah. So when you took naps, did you take na naps in and out, mostly at the aid stations, but out there in the field too, when you were on the trail? I slept on the side of a mountain. I slept on a park bench. I slept in two different bathrooms, one of which, which I didn't even know I fell asleep in. I just, I sat down on this toilet. And then next thing I know I came to, I was like on the floor against the door because they were like banging on it. And there's certain areas they don't want you sleeping because they they've got these trackers on you and it's because they're dead zones so they want it like as a safety concern and that was one of those like dead zone areas and 
the guy's banging on the door. He's like, you can't bivy up in here, mate. And I'm like, I'm not bivying up. And I just open up the door and I'm like, I have no idea where I am, what's going on. And then I realize I'm like, shit, I just passed out on the floor. <laughs> it, was, it was a clean bathroom, but I was like, it was just warm. And I just sat down for a second. And I was just like, for a yeah, minute. that nice warm yeah. feeling of a bathroom <laughs> and just relaxing your muscles and boom. Yeah. And the, they got they got a good little laugh out of that, and and then and then I <laughs> there was this there's this farm that I was trying to get to um, after that, and there's this lady there that take, helps takes care of the runners and everything, and she had this little bed and this bed like my dog bed might have been a step up, but I was like I sat down on it and I was like I'm gonna take a quick kip and I was out, and then uh, she's like you know she's like you want me to set timer? I was like nope nope. And uh, when I woke up, like Rory, third place, it just—he was just sitting right next to me, and um, that happened a couple of times because I just, again, later in the race, I was like, "Stop setting the alarm! I just sleep." I wake up, third place would show up, and I'm like, "All right, let's go!" And then I take on ahead, you know, and run my heart out, and then I, you know, fall asleep again, wake up, third place was there. All right, time to go. <laughs> So you, so, you, so second and third place, you guys were just kind of running sort of, sort of close together then. Yeah, us. I'd say the top five were like within you know hours of each other um, throughout a majority of the race early on. Um, after day one, I think we started spreading out a little bit more. But the last, uh, the last checkpoint when I saw Rory, we got we got there and um, his feet were pretty beat up and we hadn't really had anybody to run with so i was like hey let's just we'll hike this last part out together it's you know 42 miles we'll do as much as we can and um i ended up going about 26 miles with him until the fourth place guy caught up to us on this hut uh, and he was taking a nap and i was like i came here to podium <laughs> and the guy had taken off ahead and i chased him down uh, which was another thing again it's going back to the OFM and how good you feel, like, especially in this multi-day stuff, it was, you know, I'm on day, you know, four and, you know, I, granted I just hiked the last 26 miles, but it's a lot of vert. And, uh, all of a sudden I was able to just turn on the jets and just start like hammering. Yeah, pop, popped an ultra concentrate and hammer. yeah, yeah. You're hammering. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, which, you know, was kind of fun for me cause I had that, that race exhilaration, which I really hadn't felt all race because again it was i was more battling myself i think than anything else and, but yeah to that final descent was pretty amazing well what 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 was your what were your what were your thoughts in terms of battling yourself during the, the, the race what do you besides hallucination what else what else comes up in the spectrum of of self-defeating purposes because your body's really trying to get you to rest right so it's gonna yeah it's 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 really gonna mess with you to do that so just just for entertainment purposes uh can you share some of your own private thoughts out there in the fell yeah well so again going back to sleep deprivation i i reached this small village well small village and then there was like a long stretch which they call like hadrian's wall before i hit that bathroom where i passed out and the and the farm but um, there was a section there, I remember where I came to the sign and I turned on the sign and then I came back to the sign and I was like, okay, this is weird. And I, I ended up coming to the same sign like three times and I was like, 
I was losing my shit because I was out in the middle of nowhere. I was like, I was so tired and I'm like navigating. I'm like, I went different directions, but I ended up at the same spot. And I'm like, this is it. This is my personal hell. Like I'm like stuck here forever. Uh, so that was one of those moments. Uh, and this wasn't a hallucination. This was real. Yeah, this was real. <laughs> um, the, the hallucination part, that was, that was creepy. Um, I came up over this ridge and yeah, I, I remember I looked up and I saw this man and he was albino. He had red eyes, full white pasty skin, and he was wearing like a full white sheer suit, like a tux almost with a long top hat. And he was on this white bicycle. Everything was white, but just so just vibrant and just see the red in his eyes. And he was giving me like the come hither look. And I just stopped dead in my tracks and I'm just staring at this thing. I'm like, this is it. I'm I'm losing my 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 brain cells right now. <laughs> and then came to and realized that like, oh, you know, this is just this is where I'm at. I've never been this far. I mean, I've seen like little shadows move or I've kind of muttered to myself, yeah. but not full on just I'm seeing something that's not there. That was that was really freaky for me. Wow, that's that's going to the well. So, you know, obviously, you know, the setup of the jet lag, all that probably played, that was a huge part of, of how, why things happened the way they did. But let's let's talk about your strategy and how, you know, the whole OFM VESPA protocol got you through in spite of the the whole thing. Yeah, so again long stretches uh between um i'm not much of a gel guy like i like um i like spring gels they're my my go-to because they're kind of lower on the on the carb spike um and they're kind of real pureed food that between that and the vespa you need to eat as much regular food as possible on a race like that yeah yep. yeah so it's just you're you're running for days on end. You can't survive on on gels. You gotta you gotta eat regular food. So early on, I was eating pork pies and sausage rolls, and which held up really well, like for a couple of days <laughs> without refrigeration, believe it or not. So uh, I was just packing those because they're just you know protein, fat, sodium. Uh, they were easy to get down, and there are a lot of things that for me personally I can't find in the states. And uh, so I was kind of going to town on, on on that sort of food, and then coming into the aid stations, they had um, curry, they had all kinds of all kinds of different foods. So good, you know, I was I was always eating regular food. They're they're really strict. Um, you have to carry so many calories between aid stations, and they're actually strict on only so much of the calories can be from powder, only so much can be from real food, and only so much can be from like gels. So you can't just go, oh, I'm just going to use Tailwind or I'm going to use, you know, whatever. It's just um, you have to kind of – and that's, again, it's a, kind of a safety thing, you know. It's just our bodies are going to adapt differently, especially when you're going out, like, up these crazy mountains in the middle of, like, you know, rainstorms. You know, it's just like a little gel is not going to cut it. you gotta, you got to be able to eat regular food, you know, get your yeah, body that's Yeah, that's a big mistake a lot of – that adapted people make is when it turns cold and wet they they need i i have to tell them you got to get some extra calories preferably hot food hot liquid because you got to maintain core body temperature and your body will turn up the the metabolism to provide that heat you know and 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 you, you you know that's the way to do it is 
start giving yourself excess energy and 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 then you know with that you got to be you got to keep moving at a pretty good pace to generate that energy if you're just shuffling along you're not generating enough energy to maintain core body temp yeah and i can imagine on those windswept fells up in the mountains at night with the mist blowing it it had to have been miserable it wasn't fun <laughs> Third, uh, so another another funny thing that happened i i brought these i bought these rain pants you know um probably a month or two before going over there and they're super light testing them out once in flagstaff but it wasn't like a heavy rain but it, it they did the trick i'm like all right these are going to be great and uh, i got out there and they didn't have a really good elastic band around the waist or a tie so it was it, it became so saturated because it rained from the afternoon through like the next afternoon i mean oh. just straight and so in the in the middle of the night i'm like holding up my pants trying to keep dry and stuff I was like this is ridiculous and um, i actually took the pins off my bib and pinned them to my pants to my shirt to try and hold them up and uh that didn't really work too well finally i was just like you know again talking about poor body temperature i was like this isn't working it's just getting annoying i'm just going to go shorts and just keep my core like i could change my I, you know you have to carry extra clothes with this i had extra dry clothes i'm, like, I'm going to change and get get dry and then just shorts yep. it'd be fine and so i found this sheep's barn in the middle of this thunderstorm and it was just <laughs> in the middle of this barn is this broken down cart and this oil drum which is kind of like 45 degrees but like the entire ground is just sheep shit everywhere so i'm like all right how am i gonna take my shoes off and take you know do all this stuff and it was kind of hilarious you know i'm balancing all my kit on top of this oil drum and on one foot and stripping off my clothes in this like some random person's barn <laughs> on a mountain in the one o'clock in the morning and thinking like about my life choices <laughs> but got on those dry clothes and immediately just changed right. my life you know all of a sudden just start moving better and yeah when you get wet clothes in that kind of conditions it it'll suck the the calories out of you real yep. quick and then hypothermia becomes an issue yep yeah and yeah. even even some of the trails that you would go up it was just they were just like flowing rivers so you were oh. just your feet were just you couldn't even see your feet <laughs> just wow in, in the wow. trenches so how often were you using a Vespa like or how many Vespas did you burn a day? I took one every I'd say two hours. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So it gave you that base energy. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and I, and again, probably every every other hour of Vespa, every other hour of food is kind of how I do things. But mm. again, it's if I saw a big climb coming up or something, it was like didn't matter what time it was, I'm like, okay. Get get in the calories and everything. I'm yep. I'm walking anyway. This is the time I need to be eating. Yep, the strategic carbs. Yeah. Yep. And how long did it take you to complete the course? I want to say it was like 93 hours. So for by my standards, slow. <laughs> it really is because even I mean, Coca I did 70 something. I have to Bigfoot in like 60 hours something. So, but again, just you know. Battling, it became a battle with myself and for second place, I think, just to come out of the well, the sleeping well, and then and then again, navigating and just 
overall terrain dealing with it. It's just, it's not easy, not easy terrain. Well, and, and you had a strong finish. I mean, I saw the video of you finishing. You had a strong finish. You looked exhausted when you sat down, but you looked yeah. good coming in. Yeah, yeah, I felt really good coming in. Funny, right after I finished, I got to go quick shower, got cleaned up, immediately hopped on a train to Edinburgh, toured that all day long, and then I hopped on another train and went to London that, that very same night. So I didn't stop. <laughs> wow. I, my, my feet weren't too happy with me. I mean, I had a little swelling from the, the walking around, but it was, it was fine. Yeah, did you get, were you able to get some sleep? I, uh, when I got on that train to London, it was just lights out. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. So everything's working for you. So, you know, with OFM, we, we try to take a look at, you know, from multidimensional aspect. And, you know, one of the things we stress is downtime and sleep. Um, and I'm not I'm not big on the aura rings. I know a lot of people use them. You might use them, but you know it's just getting sleep. You know, t turning the volume down on looking at the screen time and doing things at night so you can kind of set that pattern to go to sleep and get get good sleep and keep that circadian rhythm. And so having experience, having really gone to actually the, the you know one of the things I love about what we do are collaborations. I feel like I'm in a collaboration with people like you and Jeff and, and even the, the, the back of the Packers, you just learn so much, right? Yeah. Um, because with, with the ultra endurance, we're actually, we actually are pushing uh, the bodies to that extreme level to see what's, what's possible, right? You Absolutely. don't, you don't, you don't, you know, you can't learn much by staying well within the guardrails, which is what normal healthcare does. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've learned a tremendous amount. So in terms of, of this race and disrupting your circadian rhythm with, with severe jet lag, you know, this is this, I'm looking at this as a big learning experience for not just you, but for me. And it kind of validates this whole importance of, of maintaining normally maintaining a circadian rhythm and, and I, I you know has that been impressed upon you absolutely the and i've i've talked a little bit about it before is you know the 200s are are much different as far as you know your body chemistry is gets so messed up afterwards oh, yeah i guess jack yeah <laughs> you know it's I, i've um, never done a 200 but i've crewed and paced for one where we were the crew and the pacer were leapfrogging right yeah yeah and so it's I'm just like, as bad for the crew. I mean, it really yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not moving as much, but like, yeah, the the loss of sleep. I mean, you know, when I this one, this one especially, it's like I'm. So one of the things I always, I'm always very aware aware of is just my own dealing with my own uh, depression post race, and you know that's a very normal thing getting post run depression. Um, I used to get it on the smaller smaller races. I like I don't I don't get them on like the hundreds and fifties anymore, but I do get them on like the two hundreds, and a lot of that is just I know where I'm at, and I'm, I'll tell Cisco I'm like, hey, right now my head's not in a good space. Like I'm fine, I'm not gonna do anything crazy, but I want you to know like where my head's at because I really feel you get like a separation 
kind of anxiety, like you've been out there for a long period of time and you're sleep deprived. Uh, it's an amazing, epic, out of this world experience. You know, as, you know, something that you put your body through that you don't get to experience. Or most people never experience. And then all of a sudden you're like back at work Monday morning and you're going through the motions and you're just, you're there, but you're not there. You know what I mean? You're just keep thinking back to the trail or you keep thinking back to, you know, what, what experiences you had out there and or being unplugged is just like the best thing ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All, all, all these little things and like everyday stressors and stuff. And well, you kind of become hyper aware of what I call the man-made construct and how it's really kind of far removed from, from our evolutionary reality. Yeah. Yeah. I, totally. Absolutely. And, you know, it's just, it takes me even mingling, talking with people. I, I have a, I just have a hard time coming back to it because I just feel like I'm, I'm like on this other plane, for, you know, for, for whatever reason. And again, it's like, I can carry through the motions of having a conversation, but in my head, I'm, I'm just, I feel like I'm just still not quite with it. So it, it generally takes me a week or two to get, to get used to that. Wow. 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 And how was your recovery on this thing? It probably took a while because you really pushed yourself like going to the race, doing the race and then doing the, the family thing with Siska and your kids. Cause you're, you're rigid. You were born in England, correct? Yep. Yep. So my dad lives over there, my, my, uh, uncle and, you know, cousins and so bunch of family and then came out and I brought my, you know, my sister came out there, my, you know, kids came out. It was just kind of a big kind of family reunion. And so it was really great, but you know, it's, it's to go you had a lot of, yeah, you, you had a lot of, yeah. uh, of stuff going on. You didn't get really any downtime other than sleeping on the train from oh. Edinburgh to London. From the, from the moment we landed, it was like, you know, meeting the family, we went out for dinner, had drinks, and then we're at the, the Airbnb, we're like catching up until one o'clock in the morning. And the next day, you know, I wake up early because that's what, as soon as the sun comes up, that's, I'm up. And then I went for a little run and we went out to this town and went to, I think it was called the Devil's Arse, like this tour the next day. Like I'm just, anyone that knows me that whenever I do these races, like immediately after I'm doing something, you know, I, when I was in New Zealand earlier this year, I went whitewater rafting the next day. Uh, when I did Hurt 100, I went body surfing the next day with my son. Um, you know, it's just, I'm always, it, to me, it's like, I, I take the time to do the race and they're there to support me and everything, but now it's their time. And so, yeah, immediately after the race, it was tour and, you know, we're in London for a couple of days and touring around Camden and I'm just like constantly moving, you know, and the first day was, it, it hurt. I'm not going to lie, it was you know because they're all like ready to go and i'm moving slow which for them was probably great because i'm normally way ahead just you know my big stride and everything but um, but by the end you know by the time we got back home um within a week i was running you know mount humphreys again you know i i yeah. Cali was there and i i think it was because of how i moved you know my my only real big push of the race was in the probably the last 16 miles because you you know you just want well, to run as possible on, on those. Yeah, and with this, from the start of the race through until the end, when you really started to put the hammer down, you, your your actual intensity level and all that was impaired by the fact you had sleep deprivation, right? Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, and then, you know, a month later, I did my, my Humphreys Summit attempts. I went up Humphreys five times. So physicality-wise, I feel great. Like, it's just been, it's been a great year for, for running and, you know, injury-free. And uh, again, I listened to my body. Yesterday's run, I went up and I went up Humphreys and I immediately felt like trash. I was like, this is not going to be a good day if I, if I try and run it. Cause you know, that's one of those trails. If you got heavy legs, you, you could have an injury. And so I decided to just hike it out and I hiked out the entire, entire, uh, summit. And today I went out there and I, I felt great, you know? So yeah, no, kinda... I, I, I totally get that because that's how I'm gauging my runs. There's days I have it and there's days I don't have it. And I, I need yeah. to figure out what, what, what I'm doing to lead up to that and just go with it. Right. Yeah. And that's one yeah. of the beauty, beauty things I'm really learning and, and trying to coach people on is um, getting in tune with your body because we live in this technology age and I think we've surrendered, we've surrendered our sovereignty to all these gadgets and metrics. It's like when your body's working the way it's supposed to work, you're yeah. Intuition and your own feedback mechanisms are, are the most powerful tools you have. You know, you don't need you don't need your heart rate monitor to tell you your heart racing. You know yep. it, right? Yep, exactly. I I I always just use it as a quick double check, but I you know I'm saying yeah. I run by feel, and if I'm if I don't feel like I'm having a good day, especially if I'm running somewhere that's could be dangerous, or if I you know I have heavy legs and Toe on a rock, I could semi fly him. I'm just not going to risk it, you know, especially when, with a race coming up. Yeah, so well, I, like, like I say, the data corroborates the experience, it doesn't drive it. But yeah. in today's world, so many people are allowing technology to determine, you know, yeah. it drives it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, everything's been, you know, and, and again, even. Even coming up yesterday where I felt tired, I have to put myself in check all the time. I'm like, I just got back from Goat Rocks Wilderness in Washington and did 62 miles over three days with, you know, 17K vert, not counting whatever I ran earlier in the week, you know. So it's just, I had a, I had a big week, you know, and I have to like constantly remind myself of that. Of like, you know, I'm not a machine as much as I'd like to think it. And I'm going to, I need a, take a take a breather every once in a while yeah yeah and that's that's where the magic happens is in that breather right yeah but, but yeah. if you're if you're not doing the damage you don't need as much breather as people think you just need to make sure you are getting good sleep keeping your circadian rhythm good yeah and you know having downtime you're not constantly frantic and that you know it means just interacting with Cisco or or just hanging out cooking dinner you know stuff where you can just tune off from all of this modern life that's impacting us now yeah and i have found myself since coming back from that race that i just you know i i don't don't check social media quite as much i'm just happy like i i've just gone for walks sometimes i'm like i'm just gonna go for a walk outside and just be outside and <laughs> yeah nice. and i noticed you say something about you get up early with the sun and and that's one that's a as far as we're since we're talking about circadian rhythm, that's one of the practices I try to do is mm -hmm. when the sun comes up, I'm up, I'm exposing my eyes, my skin in that morning. Yep. And it doesn't take too much and it, it helps entrain your, 
your circadian rhythm in the way it's meant to. I, I'm imagining you do the same thing. Absolutely, which is also why I, I can't go out and party late at night anymore because I've always been one of those people, no matter, as soon as I see the sunlight come through the, the blinds or curtains or whatever, that's it, I'm up. So if I had a little bit too much fun the night before, I'm up regardless, which means I'm just going to suffer. I've never been one of those people where like, I'll just sleep in till noon and then I'll feel fine. That's not me. I, I wake up, I go running. You know, I like to do my stuff. So there's been mornings where I'm just like, well, this is just going to be suffering today because I was at a wedding last night or whatever. And then, <laughs> uh, but like the days, like when I do get my sleep properly and because I go to bed relatively early, it just, you know, wake up, feel great. Just same thing every day. Yep. And that's, that's, you know, these are, these are some aspects of OFM that we don't talk about much about because everybody thinks it's a, it's a low carb diet, which it's not, you know, there's plenty of carbs. Yeah, yeah. If you need plenty of carbs. You can have plenty of carbs. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, absolutely. But you know, there's these subtleties of chronic stressors, circadian rhythm, vitamin D that, that all play into that overall package. And, you know, you're kind of living it. So, um, that's kind of what I wanted to cover today because like I said, we went, we, you went to the extremes here and, and we learned a lot. And I, I, my dad, my dad actually was an airline pilot who flew for Pan American. So he flew those, those routes all the time. And yeah. I, I, I watched how he just destroyed him. And he was your typical pilot of that generation, military fighter pilot and smoked, drank, you yeah. know, sedentary lifestyle. And, and, you know, flying those kind of routes, just, it, it, it wrecks you. Absolutely. You know, you know yeah. occasionally it's, it's, it can be adaptive, but boy, if you're doing it all the time and you're not really focused on, on what you need to do to mitigate those effects, it, it there's, you know, there's a big price you pay for it. Yeah. I, so I was in Washington this last weekend and I ran into Carl Saab randomly when we were running out on the, the PCT and he's currently on track for the PCT record. And so I got to chat with him. He's Barclay alum as well. And he was one of those, I, I just picking his brain about kind of how he runs because he's, you know, he's running 60 miles a day every day and how he, how he did it and talking to his family. Um, he had a kind of similar experience uh came over didn't have a lot of time to adjust um but he started you know southern california and he started at night so he was running like he came in and he just so i don't really think it like affected his circadian rhythm quite so much in the fact that he just went into night running because it was on his time and then he ended up getting flips later as he got like further up california yeah, um, which I thought was pretty interesting um, to see to see how how someone else like would do something like that because that was my first question. I was like, man, you're what I did was nothing compared to <laughs> the ground you're covering. But very 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 interesting to see how he's moving. And he's he's moving. He's sleeping like eight hours a night. You know? Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's running a, a South North PCT. Yeah, yeah. So he he must have just started not too long ago. He. He he was on day forty when I saw him. This was wow. Yeah, so he he made it through Oregon. I think in like seven days. <laughs> wow! 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 Yeah. Wow! 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 He is moving, and and I, and I'm saying moving. I mean, 
I I ran like you know seven eight miles with him on the PCT and then went up and back this uh, peak, and then uh, I was with um, uh, another runner, Alyssa, and we were like, yeah, let's try and catch him. And I'm like, we're gonna have to move. And we, you know, we were pushing. I was I just kept trying to push just a little bit harder than what we were running together, um, and, and ended up catching like a mile from the trailhead where the rest of our crew was and stuff. But he was. Yeah, he was motoring. And he's and, fat, uh, he's fast packing. Yep. Yep. So, so he's got he, a pack on. He's got about yeah. what, a 25, yeah. 30 pound pack on. Oh no, I mean he's it's like a regular, it's like a big mountain pack. So similar to something I'd wear at Dragon's back. So enough to get him like in between these like long Right, but he's, he's, he's fast packing, meaning he's not carrying 50, 60 pounds, he's carrying like 20, yeah. 30 pounds. Yeah. I wouldn't even yeah. say that much. I would say, I mean, yeah. it looked like just a you know, like a 20 liter like <laughs> right 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 yes, whatever so but that's what but, that's what's allowing yeah. him to run go move 60 miles a day and then yeah. get, get get a consistent eight hour sleep yeah yeah, yeah he's, he's in the zone yeah yeah but very you know the way he's moving too was kind of very reminiscent of the way i run it's just kind of choosing your battles between you know running even on the uphill stuff it's just moving efficiently and another tall guy too so it's like it was really really cool to watch him just just destroy that trail i mean so he's, cool. he's, if you're in washington he's close to finishing any day now yeah i think he had to get uh, i think 51 days was the record so he was shooting for 50. um but there were some fires so he, i think he might have had to add on like an extra 50 miles or something like wow. that but i still i still even with that i think he'll he'll nail it all right well super so you have a coaching business? Yep. A more miles coaching. Um, relatively. Runners. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I do all types of athletes. Um, obviously the, the type of stuff that I do, I can kind of cater a little bit more towards like, you know, the big multi-day technical stuff. Um, but yeah, everything from 5k to hundred mile plus. Um, and then the nutritional side of it, which hopefully, uh, we're going to be getting geared up here pretty quick too. Yeah, yeah, um, the whole metabolic awesome. side. The metabolic, not nutrition. Nutrition's a tool. Yeah, the whole metabolic tool. side yeah. with OFM so you can be right. like Peter and yep. um, and have this consistency. And, and this is one of the things we're seeing is like, I don't know how long you've been following the ultra scene, but, you know, you look at people like you and Jeff and Nick and Jesse and who else is big time OFM? There, you know, you guys are, are consistently Benny Capel, John Olson, some of the old timers, and nobody's, you know, everybody's still running well and they're healthy. Yeah. And I don't know, I've seen a lot, and I'm not trying to bag on these people, but I've seen a lot of these athletes come into the ultra scene. They're, they're a phenom for two or three seasons, and then they're out with injuries, GI issues, anxiety, depression. It, 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 it's it's yeah, yeah. it's yeah injuries especially like i mean i had my fair share early on just by pushing too hard you know and didn't have a coach or, or whatever um but yeah i mean i don't remember other than taking a fall which happens from time to time um i and even that i don't even remember the last time i had an injury you yeah know, it's just and every day, I mean, I mean, there's days where, you know, sometimes I'm a little sore, which is to be expected. You have, you know, hard days and you have easy days. But the fact that, you know, I can go out and 
just throw down an insane amount of mileage and like go running the next day is is to me is amazing which is why I well do it. but this is actually i mean you guys like i said you guys are the data set for this because you know you're showing data nobody else has i mean it's like burning a gram and a half of fat per minute is like no big deal for you guys you know and you can, actually, <laughs> you can you know you can actually sustain over two grams a minute for 10 or 15 minutes i mean it's just like you know that's 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 a total game changer because when you do the math going from what most people the science said most people only burned half a gram or less and the ceiling was one gram and you guys like you know the data we got shows that for most of your running you're at a gram yeah. and a half a minute but it yeah and the testing and stuff that we've done too it's just kind of open changed the way i run as well i mean you can kind of do the like the math tone method and everything and running running your zones and say like i need to be right here but what that you know little study for us did show me that like along the meter i'm like i can be way over here and still be burning fat you know yep. and, and and like to me that was that really opened my eyes because i'm like well have i been i've been underperforming you know i can right i and can push it a little bit more and yeah and that data we got from you the second time when you did best but you see you had three big training days and they took seven vials of blood out of you the night day before the test yeah yeah and you, still, <laughs> you still you still crushed it yeah and, and it's like like you know if we could get you and jeff you know in a in a fully recovered state so three day two or three days off and, good luck with that right right <laughs> and, and just, well three two or three days of yeah. like you know easier running and then co go come in i mean it's just like uh, you know what are the limits right yeah. you know but but it just what impressed me is the fact that as soon as you guys got on the treadmill you know it went from just a little bit of fat to one gram a minute right, right? and it's and yeah. within a couple of those phase changes and that was out of really low level jogging up to yeah. the actual running that you would actually do yeah yeah gram and a half so it was just you know your body was just providing the energy to meet the metabolic demand and and just the fact that you guys can stay in that zone all day long is is that's that's why you can do it and, and you know i think that the impacts for longevity are just huge so yeah it's yeah. cool so let's yeah. i want to uh, so let's regroup after moggy on and have another conversation because i want to share your life because you know you're 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 living the life and i mean life is enjoyable it's not i mean it's and it's got all the challenges that everybody's life's got i mean you got a day job you got teenage kids you got yeah. two basset hounds that are kind of needy and <laughs> um you know you have a partner and and so you know people and I, I'm not bagging on Jeff, but Jeff's job is his day job is running and coaching. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so it's my that, dream. <laughs> and I'm, I, it's great if you can have that because yeah. that takes out a lot of, you know, it, it allows you to focus on that. And it's why, you know, he can maintain his, his status as one of the top 10, arguably top five ultra runners. And, and, and one of the, you know, when you look at his, his event status, He's doing more more big stuff than everybody else. Sure. Yeah. You're probably yep. second. 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, between us, I mean, we both do a lot. And that's why it's hard to connect sometimes because we love hanging out and everything. And, but he's always off doing some adventure. I'm always off doing some adventure and then balancing work and everything. And just, um, yeah, you're in the same but, town, but, but just, yeah, guys, you know, and this stuff does take hours, hours, right? Sure. Yeah. And we're both training athletes. We're both, you know, it's so, but, um, yeah, it's, it's like, I, I love Jeff. I love like connecting with him, picking his brain. It's got, you know, great personality and like, and we're both into the same, like, you know, tough stuff that'll just, that wants to break you. We just want to, we want to take it down. Yeah. Yeah. And you are. So let's, let's, after moving on, let's talk about the lifestyle because, you know, this is about personal empowerment. It's about living a satisfied life, you know, really happy life, but also like, in the case of you and Jeff and myself, we're all, we're also have a bigger purpose in helping others be healthy, yeah. you know, and, and perform well and do it in a way where you not only bag those, those bucket list goals of say doing a rim to rim to rim or a hundred miler or, or whatever's on your bucket list, but also doing it in a way that not only sustains you, but makes you more robust you know yeah. physiologically metabolically and then emotionally and and mentally and breaking breaking the paradigm you know it's just yeah. like you know again it's saying there everyone can can run differently like fuel differently and stuff but like don't don't get so pigeonholed to think there's only one way of doing things you know well, it's just you know it just that's yeah I, I want the audience like like i know that we've kind of hit a and when I say we, I include you and Jeff, we've kind of hit a, a plateau with the whole fat adaptation in OFM. And I think that it's got to do with the fact that because there's no reference for OFM, it's a unique program, Vespa's a unique product, we automatically get lumped into the keto pile. Sure, yeah. Because it's not high carb. Yeah, yeah. And, and people... Everything has to be polarizing. That's what's so frustrating. Right, right. <laughs> is, yeah. Yeah. And... and, and you know, I'm trying to have this conversation and let and say to people, um, let's start with something we can agree with. And that is, you know, too much sugar isn't a good yeah. thing. Right. And, yeah. but what people don't understand is throwing down a lot of carbohydrates is essentially metabolically throwing down a bunch of sugar. Yeah. But it's the same. Car carbs are sugar. Yeah. It, it's again, it's becoming metabolically stable first like where we're meant to be. And then again, using those, using, using the sugars as a tool in the race and everything, That's to, right. you know, to, and it's, again, it's, you, you get your body dialed in like, like Jeff and I have, I mean, you're just, you're trickling sugar, you know, you're just barely top, topping it off. It's there. Like it's the know. icing on the cake. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, sure. You can pull from it anytime without having to worry like, oh, I'm going to go too far, you know, down this rabbit hole and not be able to crawl back up out of, um, and same thing with, you know, weather variables like heat, you know, if you can't get calories down. You can fall back on it on your OFM and you can still just keep trucking. Yeah. Um, just stay hydrated, focus on hydration, take your Vespa and yep. you can just keep moving the heat on a trickle of, of calories. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, but that's kind of, you know, and for people listening to this, I, I'm, I'm doing some informational pieces, but I'll share a little bit. Um, there was something on the slow twitch triathlon thing about 
too much sugar and causing diabetes and and some guy in Australia was training for an Ironman and he, he got he ended up with diabetes. Yeah. And, I mean and so that's gotten us thinking and it's more fat it's more multifaceted. I mean his guy his his diabetes is probably based on, you know, a bunch of factors, but the fact is he was taking in way too much sugar. Oh yeah. I mean I, I remember doing UTMB in twenty eighteen and I was at the last aid station. And uh, I watched this guy at two Solomon flasks and filling him up with Coca-Cola completely. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of Coke. And he's like, oh, that's all I fuel on, all race. I was like, you've been drinking nothing but Coca-Cola for 100 miles. Wow. And I'm like, would, would you, I was like, I, I think about it. I'm like, would you sit at home just on the couch and just, I mean, I know you're exercising stuff, but like your, your sugar spike is just constantly, this is all day. I mean, like, yeah. your body, that's not that what your body can't be good long-term. <laughs> no. This isn't going to end well. Yeah. But, you know, whether you're drinking, like, any sort of, like, just sugar water, like, throughout a race, same thing. If you're just, if that's, if that's what you're doing, you're on the same train, you know? Yeah. Just, and if you're, it's a different, if, different if name, different product. Right. And if you're having to eat a lot of rice or pasta all the time, it's the same thing. And, yeah. and to a point, to a point, what I what happened is we're we're doing some stuff, and I did the calculations for a six month lead up to an Ironman, and and basically, it's 155 pounds of sugar. That's insane, yeah. right? Yeah, that's just <laughs> your so I'm body gonna, weight. I'm going. I'm going to Costco. I'm going to go to Costco and get one of their 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 big carts, the the big orange carts they have, and I'm yeah. going to get three bags of cnh sugar and put it on the bag that's 150 pounds of sugar and take a picture of it yeah yeah that's, that's what, horrifying it, and so people you know i think part of the problem with ofm is i've always approached it from a cellular biological standpoint so i lose people right and jeff always likes to give me bad time you know you like when he wants to help me correct my 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 communication but that's i'm a, I'm a scientist i'm a biologist and it's like people like People are geared and, you know, they're trained to look at what's in front of them, you know, right. this, that, and they, and they don't look at what's behind the scenes. So you need energy, you're burning so many calories, here's 100 calories of a gel, yeah. problem solved. But they, yeah. don't, they don't see all the other things that goes with that, nor do they want to, because it's, it's not convenient and it forces them to think. And and it's just more convenient and comfortable not to think. Yeah. No, it's just, you know, when I first kind of really started pushing my longer runs on Vespa, and this is kind of where Jeff and I, like I said, we, you know, you, you talk about like the meter and we're all kind of on different planes is I'll go out more, definitely more self-sustained on just Vespa at times than he will. Like I'll go out for five hour mountain runs on like just Vespa. Yeah, and I'll do. I'll go fasted. You know, like I'll have a big dinner the night before. Wake up, no breakfast, coffee maybe, and then you know I take a hit a best and go. Yeah, yeah, and five hours out, and you know I'm running, I'm hiking and stuff too. But I'll carry the nutrition with me. But it's again going by feel, and you know it didn't start out that way. Initially, it was like an hour, and then it was two hours, and then it was three. You know. and now I'm going as I'm going back and redoing that stuff. I'm taking in a little bit more calories on days that I really want to push hard, um, which is definitely kind of more the way Jeff does it. Um, 
but those big days for me when I've been out there just you know on just Vespa I mean they've really trained me for those tough races where it just it's extremely hot and I can't keep stuff down and so I have to re rely on either li liquid nutrition or if I'm just stuck in the middle of nowhere I just on the Vespa and water and um, it's been a game changer because I can just again just keep going and going and going just keep the you know run it as you know run at a rate where i'm not like overheating keeping my core body temperatures you know down but at the same time just like a, just a train just doesn't stop that's cool cool yeah. all right peter well once again thanks i mean you know we got a these 200 milers you seem to be running out of real estate um, <laughs> I just got to do long race. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to get first in one of these things. I've got three, second place three times now. So, uh, but again, it's, you know, it is, I take my race day, whatever I get that day, whatever is handed to me. And, um, well, well, and that's why I want to have this next conversation with you because you're living the, the life. Jeff's living the life. And I, I see this right now with people who are mostly retired because they've gone on to do other things with their families, like Jenny Capel. I mean, she's living the dream now. She's still running. She wants to get into hard rock, but, you know, she's starting a physical therapy thing for pets, which has been, yeah. a thing, right? John yeah. Olson's coaching and his kids, his kids running first year at college, cross country. So he's put it in. But, you know, here's a guy who was the 24-hour world champion, and he's still running, still feels great. And it's just about that lifestyle, like you say, you know, you're going to go out and have fun on your race and you're going to push yourself and you're going to live that whole spectrum. And that's, that's kind of what I want to talk about. That's the preview for, for the next time. So um, once again, Peter, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram, PJ Mortimer, Peter Mortimer on Facebook, uh, eight more miles coaching.com for, uh, you know, coaching. Eight with a number eight with the letters. Uh, yeah. Number eight more miles coaching.com. But, if you Google me, you'll find it. <laughs> and yeah. maybe some other videos too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, Peter's one of our early OFM coaches. So you're going to get, you're going to have that on top of it. So, you know, you can be like him, living, living a full and great life. So thank you, yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, Peter, for having me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this again. Yeah, absolutely.